The big question is this, how do we use the seven step blueprint to help you or people you influence become more physically healthy than 98% of the people you know and in your community? That's what today's episode is all about. Let's get stuck into it straight away. Today's episode of the new science of physical health. Hey everybody, welcome back to this episode of The Daily Drop. I'm so glad you're back here. And this particular episode, has got it's a follow-on from yesterday's episode. And it's got a little twist to it. And it's a follow-on in the theme. But a, a, once again, you'll see what my twist is as I continue on here. We're talking about here in this episode of The Daily Drop, the whole concept of people looking after their physical health status, driving down their risk of the number one, number two cause of sickness and death, cardiovascular disease and cancer. Here's my theory. This is my supposition, if you like, my argument, my presentation to everybody. If you're going to work on this subject of being physically healthy, and there's this smorgasbord or myriad of things to choose from about strength and about flexibility and about um, you know uh, muscle endurance and about cardiovascular fitness and all the different com- what we call in health and physical education the components of fitness we have skill related ones and we have health related ones speed and agility all the different things you can choose from my thinking is my supposition is why don't tack why not tackle the two biggest ones i've said in a previous episode Number one cause of sickness and death is 18 million people a year, cardiovascular events people die from. Number two are cancer events, 8.2 million. And the next one, number three, way down the list, well, it's not not way down the list, but it's way down the list in volume worldwide, 1.3 million people with respiratory diseases. And then it continues to go down from there. So why, why do things that, in terms of looking after your physical health, that are way down the list in the cha- the impact that it has on your life, when if you tackle the two top ones, in particular the very top one, cardiovascular disease, it has this cascading effect, spillover effect, where it trickles down really quickly, by the way, to all the other types of things that are physical, health, physically and health-related. And what we're saying, what I'm saying is, there are other things that can impact you besides cardiovascular events and cancer events. But of all the things that are going to, those two things are so far out in front that we really should concentrate on those two things first of all. And there's a way to do that and what choose whatever physical activity you want. And I've talked about this in previous episodes. The way to do that is to concentrate on the impact of the physical activity Get gaining through our clinically validated health software that we have, you can get access to with any of our content that you, that you end up ordering. But the clinically validated health software tracks the impact of your physical activity by converting your heart rate during planned and unplanned physical activity into an impact score based on the world's largest heart study of over 45,000 people. And there's also other studies that it's based on as well. Besides that actual one study from Norway called the Hunt Study. Anyway, that's my whole premise of the new science of physical health and what we're doing here with these episodes of The Daily Drop. 
But what I wanted to tackle and where the twist is this, I want to do, I have spent my entire life being involved here in Australia around sports people. I played lots of sport when I was younger. And let me just quickly run through some of the sports that I did when I was a teenager. So I started becoming very fast at, as a sprinter, like on the track when I was in the fifth grade. And I remember, go, I remember going in this actual race. And I had no, I'd have no sporting ability prior to this, but I, I think I must have hit puberty here in the fifth grade. And in fact, I know that I did. And I went in this. We had an A grade, an A race, and a B race for the year five boys. I still remember. I was taking my own son to the oval where this happened because I remember it like it was yesterday. And what ended up happening was I lined up for this race, no expectations whatsoever. I'd never done anything in sport, and I was in the B race. I wasn't even good enough to be with the best runners. That's where I was at in the fifth start of the fifth grade. And athletics carnivals are always at the start of the year in a school year. So I've lined up in this race, taken off, the gun goes, taken off in the 100 metres. And about, I still remember, like, because I know the Oval, the, the elementary school or the primary school that I was in, elementary if you live in, in uh, North America, and about 70 metres into the race, I realised that nobody was in front of me. And I kind of had a look. I still remember having a look around. The closest person to me in this B-grade race, not the A race, which is the fast kids, but in this B-grade race, no one was... In Australia, we've got this expression called a bull's roar. No one was even close to me within a bull's roar, meaning they were a long way behind. I finished the race, and I found out later on that my time in the B-grade race would have beaten everybody in the A-grade race. And I, th- and I thought there must be a mistake because I, to this day, I can remember who the lightning-fast boys were at our school. And there's, I, I knew in my own brain, I can't keep up with those guys. There must have been a mistake. Anyway, I don't really remember what happened in year six, in, in, the, in my year six race. But I got to um, year seven, the seventh grade in Australia. The seventh grade is high school. I know in the United States of America, it, they call it middle school. But what happens is we transfer from primary or elementary school into high school in the seventh grade and go right through to the 12th grade. We don't have a middle school. So what happens is we have the athletics carnival and I lived, grew up in a small country town. We have the athletics carnival and... In the seventh grade, start of the year, warm, must have been a warm kind of March, something like that. And we had this, uh, I, I know the ovals very well because I go back to my country town uh, where I grew up quite regularly and still watch some different sports down there occasionally as well. Football, young people playing football, and I've done that over the past few years as a bit of nostalgia because a long time ago I did this. And I remember being in the seventh grade and I did the athletics carnival. Can't really remember too much about the events that I did. But at the end of the day, in those days, they would add up the points and see which boy and which girl in each year group had become the age champion in the for the athletics carnival. And I'm in high school, so much bigger than primary school because we had kids from all over the area, not just our primary school. And I had no clue about how I'd done during the day in comparison to everybody else. So I'm sitting there and... They called out the girl's name, first of all, for the age champion, and they called out the boy's name, and I was waiting for the recipient, the person whose name had been called out, 
who was the age champion. They got a trophy. He rewarded this in front of the whole school. I was waiting for that person to get up. And I'm thinking, I wonder where they are. And then a couple of my friends started pushing me in my back. And then I realized they'd called my name out. And I could not believe it. Could to this day. I still can't believe that I won a trophy when I was the age champion in, in athletics, which meant I'd done well in the 100, the 200, the 400, 800, 1500, went in long jump, went in high jump, went in shot put, went in discus. And I did, I think I won a lot of those events. I can't quite remember, but enough to win the age champion trophy. I remember taking that home in the seventh grade, like shocked. And I brought it home to my um, my mum and dad that afternoon. Um, when I got home, my dad was home. He was a house painter. He was sitting in his chair. And I showed off my trophy to him. And I still remember doing that because he had these um, these painting overalls. He's a house painter, so he had painting overalls on, sitting in his recliner chair. I've got my own recliner chair now. And by the way, my son has bought home his own trophy a year earlier than I did in the sixth grade, but in swimming. And I was not good at swimming, but he's a gun at swimming. And he was the age champion swimming. Very proud of him. That's another story. Um, cause his story is way better than my story. There's more to his story than there is to mine. So I'm present, I, I show this trophy to my mum and dad. I put it in my room and I, um, and then that's when from the seventh grade onwards, I started really diving into sport and I started watching lots of sport on television um, as I grew up as a teenager. And then um, I started, I, I went to university to become a, a, a PE teacher primarily because I love sport. I wanted to do sport the rest of my life. I wasn't good enough to be a pro athlete, um, a professional athlete and get paid for it. But I was, you know, I was okay. I was adequate uh, at sport and I still love it today. Here's my whole point. I'm going to give you right now three minutes of one of my sporting heroes in a different type of sport. And you will know, I'm not going to tell you who it is, but you'll know straight away, everybody in the world knows this sporting hero. And I've met lots of my sporting heroes, okay? And I've met lots of people from different places around the world who you would know that, that, are, um, that are quite famous. Um, my biggest ones were at the opening ceremony of the Olympic Games here in Australia where I was a volunteer in the audience. I won't go into that story, but that's a story for another time. So I've met lots of people. I've met lots of national sporting heroes. There's an episode of The Daily Drop recently where I did where I, had, I had a conversation with the former cricket um, test cricket player who's now the current Australian coach of the Australian men's cricket team. And for those of you who don't come from Australia or England or India or Sri Lanka or South Africa or New Zealand, you, you wouldn't know who Justin Langer is, but he's a super respected athlete and now a super respected coach. And I've had a conversation with him. We put that down on the interview for the Daily Drop. But I want to share with you now someone who was one of my sporting heroes in my early 20s because I worked in a, in a fitness complex. And um, you'll get, you'll, you'll, by the voice alone, you'll get this. I want you to listen to three minutes of him giving a speech on stage about success and about how he built the life that he built. And you'll know what we mean once you hear it. I'm going to transition to that. Then I'm going to come back and finish off today's episode of The Daily Drop. I want to make a particular point about it. It may not be the point that you're thinking about when you listen to the speech. I won't give it away. Why don't we do this? Let's transition to one of my all-time sports heroes and listen to the speech, and then I'll come back and finish off and make my point. It's a relatively quick, quick, um, quick point, but I think it's really critical in reference to 
the new science of physical health and this mission of mine, this obsession. Help people drive down the risk of the number one and number two cause of sickness and death worldwide. All right, transition to one of my sporting heroes. I'll be back in three minutes. I went and worked out five hours a day and I was working on construction because in those days in bodybuilding, there was no money. We didn't, I didn't have the money for food supplements or anything. So I had to go to work. So I worked in construction. I went to college. I worked out in the gym and at night from 8 o'clock at night to 12 midnight, I went to acting class four times a week. So I did all of that. There was not one single minute that I wasted. And this is why I'm standing here today. At the age of 20, I went to London and I won the Mr. Universe contest as the youngest Mr. Universe ever. And it was because I had a goal. You see, if you don't have a vision of where you go and if you don't have a goal where you go, you drift around and you never end up anywhere. 74% hate their job in America. The majority of people don't like what they're doing because they're really not doing it because they didn't have a goal and they followed this goal. They just aimlessly drift around and then all of a sudden there's a job opening so they get that job because you have to work. But then when you work, it's a chore. It's work. It's not fun. So if you think about only a quarter of the people really enjoy what they're doing in life. So people always ask me, when they saw me in the gym in the pumping iron days, they said, why is it that you're working out so hard? Five hours a day, six hours a day, and you have always a smile on your face. The others are working out just as hard as you do, and they look sour in the face. Why is that? And I told people all the time, I said, because to me, I'm shooting for a goal. In front of me is the Mr. Universe title. So every rep that I do gets me closer to accomplishing that goal, to make this goal, this vision turn into reality. Every single set that I do, every repetition, every weight that I lift will get me a step closer to turn this goal into reality. So I couldn't wait to do another 500 pound squat. I couldn't wait to do another 500 pound bench press. I couldn't wait to do another 2,000 reps of sit-ups. I couldn't wait for the next exercise. So let me tell you something, visualizing your goal and going after it makes it fun. You've got to have a purpose no matter what you do in life. You've got to have a purpose. All right, everybody, I'm back. How long did it take for you to figure out who that was? Was it the first syllable that he, that he uttered? <laughs> How distinctive is Arnold Schwarzenegger in, um, in terms of his voice pattern and, and recognizable around the world? I've never met Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, he's been to Australia several times, but I haven't had the opportunity to do that. But he, he was when I was growing up. Definitely, definitely one of those sports heroes in those bodybuilding days when I worked, I worked at a gym with, you know, quite a few other, um, guys and we, you know, Arnold was the guy. He was the person who worldwide had taken that particular sport of bodybuilding and, and, you know, elevated it and then, you know, taken it into the movie industry, if you like, and then into politics and then back to the movies. And I mean, the guy's just incredible. So let me make the point here, which picks up on yesterday's episode as well of the daily drop. 
what when I listen to those things, I still get a thrill out of them. But what I want people to understand is that if you in to attempt to go out and raise your what I call your personal physical health status to generate and create health adaptations inside your body so you move away from the disease funnel into the health funnel does not take the level of motivation that Arnold Schwarzenegger just spoke about. Let me say this again. There is this great myth or great misnomer, if you like, around the concept of that you need super high levels of motivation and you need to be goal-orientated and goal-focused in order to become classified as physically healthy. And it's simply not true. There is a difference between being an athlete and being classified as physically healthy. The greatest challenge that I've had, and I'm now overcoming this with the different tools that I've created, is that people have this concept that you have to become virtually an athlete in order to be classified as physically healthy. Because, and here's the real driving reason, because people are under the false assumption that the correct dose of physical activity to drive health adaptations, to then leverage into driving down your risk of a cardiovascular event or a cancer event, the correct dose of physical activity is way up there near being an athlete. So therefore, I need the motivation that Arnold Schwarzenegger spoke about. Fundamentally, it's false. It's not true. The correct dose of physical activity in order to generate sufficient health adaptations of which we can prove through medical research, not stuff we just make up out of thin air, but it's evidence-based. The correct dose of physical activity is nowhere near what you think it is mentally when you hear speeches like the one that you, I just gave you from Arnold Schwarzenegger. I've spoken with um, Professor Ulrich Wisloff, who is the creator of the Clinically Validated Health Software. He leads a team of 55 researchers up there in Norway and he has a, um, a team that operate worldwide in creating awareness about the Clinically Validated Health Software. When I spoke with him, he's a professor of cardiology and exercise physiology. When I spoke with him, he said to me that there's an impact score that comes from the software. So there's when I say an impact score, I mean if you you um, use the software and on a rolling seven days you hit a certain um, number, then you'll get a certain impact in terms of the percentage reduction that you'll get of risk from a cardiovascular event, particular cardiovascular event. The research is mostly based around that. Although if you reduce your risk of cardiovascular disease, you also reduce it for cancer events as well. So there's a spill over there. I won't go into that. That's a bit more detailed with an oncologist that I speak to. So when I spoke to Professor Wisloff, he, he, one of the things he said was, with the impact score from the software, everyone can hit it. And that's the difference. It's not something that's out of reach. It's not something where if all of a sudden you are not this inspired human being, then you can't achieve it. The difference is, and the twist in today's episode, I'm going to wrap this up now, the twist in today's episode is that achieving the classification, the status of being classified as physically healthy and having a lower risk of a cardiovascular event, a cancer event, isn't as hard as you think it is. whole bunch of links in the show notes, everybody. Those things will take you to the areas where you can find out more about what I'm talking about. Thank you so much for joining me this episode. I got my main point out there. 
you don't have to be an inspired athlete. You don't have to have this great vision, this grandiose attitude towards life. You just need to know how to get the impact score to the right level, which is nowhere near as hard as you think and doesn't take all the motivation in the world to go and do, like an Arnold Schwarzenegger. I still love that speech, but that's not my point. My point is, we're not trying to make people into athletes. We're trying to help people become classified as physically healthy and change their physical health destiny. Thanks for joining me, everybody. See you tomorrow's episode. Bye for now.